Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 26th of February, 2022. This is Tom, and your other readers are Liz, Jane and Graham. The editor this week is Kevin. All are members of Team 2. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tringazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless stated otherwise. This week's headlines. Cannabis factory busted. Man dies after being held in police car. These and other stories follow. We are going to start this week with a few articles from the past. Here is the news. Hello, this is Jane. This week in history... February the 22nd, 1972, an IRA bomb killed seven people at Aldershot Barracks. On this day last year, a 400-old Rubens masterpiece went on display at the National Gallery London following conservation work. February the 23rd, 1953, an amnesty offered by the government to Second World War deserters brought in applications from more than 3,000 servicemen and 14 servicewomen. Hello, this is Graham. February 24th, 1938, a nylon toothbrush, the first commercial nylon product, went on sale in New Jersey. And on this day last year, Two ornate lamps estimated to cost £175,000 were commissioned as a gift from Parliament to mark the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Hello, this is Liz. On this day last year, a Spanish zoo worker died after an elephant struck him with her trunk. On February 27, 1939, Britain's most haunted house, Borley Rectory, was destroyed by fire. And on this day last year, a wreath remembering Captain Sir Tom Moore was laid on behalf of the Queen in his hometown in Yorkshire. Man dies after being held in car by police. A man has died after being held in the back of a car by police officers in Hemel Hempstead. The 27-year-old man died after being taken ill while being detained in Cotterells on Thursday, February the 10th. Hertfordshire Police has referred itself to the Independent Office for Police Conduct, IOPC, which is now investigating the circumstances. The IOPC says that after police detained the man at about 10pm, he became unwell and an ambulance was called. However, he died at the scene. A spokesman for the IOPC said... After we were notified by the force, we sent investigators to the scene and post-incident procedures to begin gathering information. Our investigation is at an early stage, but initial accounts have been provided by officers and we are gathering police body-worn video and CCTV footage. We have made contact with the man's family to explain our role and we will be keeping them regularly updated as our inquiries progress. A police spokesman said, The IOPC was informed of the incident, which is standard procedure when a person who has been in recent contact with the police dies. Our thoughts are with the man's family at this difficult time, and we will be doing everything we can to assist with the IOPC investigation to establish the exact circumstances surrounding this death. At this stage, it would be inappropriate to comment any further. Two men arrested after cannabis find. Police have dismantled a cannabis factory after finding more than 850 plants in a Bovingdon property, and two people have been arrested following the discovery of the plants, which had an estimated street value of more than half a million pounds. Last Monday morning, February the 14th, officers from the Constabulary's Operational Support Group attended an address in Chipperfield Road after being tipped off about possible, about possible drug production. A 50-year-old man from Hemel Hempstead and a 41-year-old man from Dunstable were arrested at the scene and taken into police custody. They have since been released under investigation while inquiries continue. Officers then searched a property in Printers Way, Dunstable, 
where they seized over £15,000 cash. PC Juliet Cohen from Hertfordshire's Constabulary Operational Support Group said, We are pleased that we have prevented this substantial amount of Class B drugs from getting onto the streets and causing misery to lives. Cannabis factories are often linked to the exploitation of society's most vulnerable. As well as being very unpleasant for neighbours and local residents, the factories also pose a significant fire hazard, as they use large amounts of water and electricity, which are often siphoned from other people's supplies. We get lots of our intelligence regarding drugs, thanks to vigilant members of the public reporting suspicious activity in their neighbourhoods, such as the cultivation of drugs or drug dealing. If you have any information about the supply of drugs, contact Hertfordshire Constabulary via the non-emergency number 101, report information online or contact Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Signs of cannabis being grown in your community can be a strong and sickly sweet smell, lighting and ventilation equipment taken, being taken into the house and windows always covered. Woman foils bag snatcher. A woman in her 50s on a mobility scooter managed to fend off a would-be bag snatcher in Hemel Hempstead. The attempted robbery took place between 7.30pm and 8pm on Friday, February the 11th. The victim was travelling along Pennine Way when she realised someone was reaching to grab her bag from her shoulder. But she managed to defend herself and the suspect ran off empty-handed. The suspect has been described by police as a black male around 5 foot 5 inches tall who was wearing a dark coloured jacket and trousers, a black hoodie and white trainers with a fluorescent tick on the side. Detective Constable Gemma Ball from the Decorum Local Crime Unit said thankfully the victim wasn't injured during the incident but has understandably been left shaken up. I'm appealing for anyone with information about the incident or the suspect to please come forward, DC Ball added. Anyone with information is asked to call police on 101, email gemma.ball at hearts.police.uk or report information online or via web chat quoting crime reference 41 forward slash 11779 forward slash 22. You can also contact Crime Stoppers to report information anonymously on 0800 555 111 or via crimestoppers-uk.org. Robbers try to steal phone from teenager. A 13-year-old boy was violently assaulted as attempted robbers tried to snatch his phone as he walked home from school. The incident took place in Keynes Field, Downside, on Tuesday, February 8th, when two males, believed to be teenagers, approached the boy and his two friends at about 5pm. They asked the victim's friends to leave before threatening the boy and demanding his phone. But when he refused and tried to run away, he was pulled to the ground and repeatedly kicked. However, the attackers left empty-handed. The first suspect is described as a black male aged 18 or 19 years old with long curly black hair. He was wearing a dark coloured tracksuit. The second suspect is described as a white male aged 15 or 16 years old, around 5 foot 9 inches tall, with short dark hair. He was wearing a brown tracksuit. DC Gemma Ball from the Decorum Local Crime Unit said... The victim reported that he stayed on the ground for up to 10 minutes after the assault as he was unable to get up. Thankfully, though, he was checked out at hospital and wasn't seriously injured. If you can help, call the non-emergency number 101, email gemma.ball at hearts.police.uk or report information online or via web chat, quoting crime reference 41 forward slash 10833 forward slash 22. Items of jewellery, hundreds of pounds cash and knives have been stolen during a burglary in Hemel Hempstead. The incident happened between 6.30pm 
and 8.45pm on Wednesday, January the 26th. When offenders broke into a home in High Barns by damaging the back door of the property, a messy search was conducted inside the home and the following was stolen. A gold necklace with a heart-shaped gold pendant with a diamond style of stone, a gold necklace with a three with a three-tier dot pendant coloured green, yellow and amber, a gold necklace with a green stone pendant surrounded by diamond style stones, hundreds of pounds worth of cash. Knives with bone handles and an engraving are Richardson of Sheffield on the blade. PC Sarah Scanlon, who is investigating, said, We are releasing a photo of one of the knives that was left behind, plus photographs of earrings left behind which match the pendants. Do these look familiar to you? Do you think you have seen the pendant necklaces or been offered them for sale? Please get in touch if so. I would also like to hear from anyone who was in the area at the time of the burglary and might have useful information. If you think you saw what happened or spotted something suspicious, don't hesitate to get in contact. You can get in touch by calling the non-emergency number 101 or email me at sarah.scanlon2 at hearts.pnn.police.uk quoting crime reference 41 7317 22. A Hertfordshire police officer who possessed more than 500 indecent images of children and dismissed sexual texts about young girls as banter has been jailed. PC Ben Pitterlin was sentenced to 25 months imprisonment on February the 4th after pleading guilty to corruption and making indecent images of children. Following his conviction, Hart's Constabulary has published the details of a misconduct hearing held last September, outlining his offences. In the report, Chief Constable Charlie Hall said, this is a most serious case and has, been, and has significant potential to undermine confidence in policing. PC Pitalin had possession of nine of the most serious Category A images on his digital devices, six Category B images and 511 Category C images, with forensic investigators noting the images were found on a number of devices spanning a number of years. At the time of the misconduct hearing, PC Pitalin, who worked in the Road Policing Unit, refused to admit any culpability or offer any explanation in regards to the offences and did not attend the proceedings. The forensic investigator also presented evidence of, an internet, of internet searches that are likely to bring back websites containing indecent images of children. The officer was also found to have engaged in sexualised WhatsApp conversations about young girls, which he dismissed as banter and said was instigated by the other male and was purely innocent. However, the Chief Constable wrote, I disagree. There was clear evidence presented that these chats go far beyond banter and are sexualised conversations about young girls. PC Pitalin is equally involved in sustaining these sexualised conversations. Continuing on, the report added, I consider both PC Pitalin and the other male to be equally engaged in these conversations and these conversations go far beyond banter. They are wholly inappropriate and display a clear sexual interest in children from the other male, with that sexual interest being clearly facilitated by PC Pitalin. The sexual interest in children and teenage girls is clearly apparent and would be obvious to any reasonable person, and most especially a police officer. A police officer would then be expected to take reasonable steps to safeguard children in the circumstances from this male, reporting their behaviour. PC Pitalin completely failed to do this, doing exactly the opposite by facilitating it further. The misconduct report said, the behaviour falls so far short of what is expected of a police officer. He has not treated the member of public with respect or courtesy by taking a pornographic picture whilst on duty, irrespective of her consent. These actions also clearly breach the conduct standard, for it is clearly an act which would bring great discredit on the police service. 
I find both standards breached and again so serious to amount to gross misconduct. It was determined that PC Pitalin had breached the standards of professional behaviour for conduct and authority, respect and courtesy and amounted to gross misconduct. The Chief Constable added, whilst there may be no evidence of direct harm caused to known individuals, by possessing the images, PC Pitalin had continued to allow children to be exposed to harm by encouraging the other man he was texting rather than addressing the risk. The report concludes, the actions of PC Pitalin have been far removed from those expected of a professional police officer. His actions undermine confidence in policing and its reputation. He has fallen very short of acceptable standards and failed to protect the public. Considering the purpose of these misconduct proceedings, there is no other reasonable or acceptable outcome that I can reach in this case other than to sanction PC Pitalin with dismissal without notice. Nothing else would be an acceptable outcome in such a serious case for either the public or the police service itself. House prices rise by 2%. House prices increased by 2%, more than the average for the east of England, in decorum in December, new figures show. The boost contributes to the longer-term trend, which has seen property prices in the area achieve 8.5% annual growth. The average decorum house price in December was £458,761, land registry figures show, a 2% increase on November. Over the month, the picture was better than that across the east of England, where prices increased 0.4%, and decorum outperformed the 0.8% rise for the UK as a whole. Over the last year, the average sale price of property in decorum rose by £36,000, putting the area 32nd among the east of England's 45 local authorities with price data for annual growth. The best annual growth in the region was in South Norfolk, where property prices increased on average by 21.1%, to £337,000. At the other end of the scale, properties in Watford lost 0.6% of their value, giving an average price of £358,000. Owners of detached houses saw the biggest improvement in property prices in decorum in December. They increased 2.6% to £986,392 on average. Over the last year, prices rose by 12.3%. Semi-detached were up 2.2% monthly, up 10.1% annually, to £529,964 average. Terraced houses were 2% monthly, up 7.8% annually, to £395,875 average. Flats were up 1% monthly, 3.7% annually to £274,974 average. First-time buyers in decorum spent an average of £359,000 on their property, £24,000 more than a year ago and £43,000 more than in December 2016. By comparison, former owner-occupiers paid £544,000 on average in December 51.7% more than first-time buyers. How do property prices in decorum compare? Buyers paid 35.1% more than the average price in the east of England, £340,000, in December for a property in decorum. Across the east of England, property prices are high compared to those across the UK, where the average cost is £275,000. The most expensive properties in the east of England were St Albans, £577,000 on average, and 1.3 times as much more than in decorum. St Albans properties cost 2.9 times as much as homes in Great Yarmouth, £202,000 on average, at the other end of the scale. Council confident it can defend areas green belt. A Hertfordshire council says it is confident any delay to its 16,000 home blueprint for the area will not lead to developers having free reign on the Greenbelt. 
Decorum Borough Council is in the early stages of creating a new local plan which will earmark land for 16,000 homes in the area, after thousands of residents opposed an initial draft published in 2020. The authority had hoped to adopt a local plan in November 2022, but now an initial public consultation isn't expected until next spring, despite the government saying authorities should have a plan in place by the end of 2023. Officials admitted the Borough Council will miss the government target. Councils without an up-to-date plan in place are at risk of speculative planning applications from developers. But officers have said they are confident they can defend the Green Belt until a new plan for the borough is approved. The Borough Council's Cabinet approved the new approach at a meeting on February the 15th. Following the creation of the draft plan, a public consultation is scheduled for June 2023 before a formal publication in June 2024 and submission later that year. If the Council meets its schedule, the plan will then be adopted in October 2025 following an examination period. Despite the delay, the Council has defended undertaking its consultation last winter, saying it was necessary in fighting housing targets ahead of challenges from developers. Councillor Alan Anderson, Conservative Kings Langley, portfolio holder for planning and infrastructure, said, We went through the first draft of the local plan some time ago now, as we were required by legislation. It included meeting what was then our allocation of housing. It caused quite a lot of controversy, with a record number of comments from the public. Those comments are helpful in terms of facilitating the strategy we have with our Green Belt and are helpful in fighting our corner in terms of the impact on our local area. Parental leave issue to be considered. Hertfordshire County Council is to consider whether elected councillors should be eligible for parental leave. Currently, there is no automatic or legal right to parental leave, maternity leave or adoption leave for those in elected office. And on February the 11th, the issue was raised at a meeting of the County Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet Panel. Labour councillor Sharon Taylor who had raised the issue in a motion at the last meeting of the full council, suggested parental leave could encourage a wider range of people to become councillors. And she said it may also encourage existing councillors who go on to become parents to stay on at the council. She pointed to data collated in 2021 that suggests that just 36% of councillors in England are women. And she, and she stressed that parental leave must apply to parents regardless of their gender and that it should also cover adoption leave too. At the meeting, councillors agreed that the issue should be referred to the council standards committee for further consideration. It is clear that for a long time now we have been keen to attract more, a more diverse range of our community to be councillors, said Councillor Taylor. And without provisions like this in place, it makes it very difficult for people to see that the life of a councillor is for them. It is a very practical step that we can take to encourage more young women to come and take part in council life, and for men as well. If men want to take parental leave, I think that is equally valid. Councillor Taylor, who highlighted the very skewed age demographic of councillors, also pointed to a model local government association policy that could be implemented. Payout agreed after failure to provide support for Boy. Hertfordshire County Council has agreed to pay £3,650 to the parents of a teenager with special educational needs after failing to provide the support he needed for up to three years and following an investigation by the Local Government and Social Care Ombudsman, the authority has agreed to make a number of changes too. According to a report published by the Ombudsman on Thursday, February the 17th, the boy, who is on the autism spectrum, should have received support with his academic work and social skills. But he was, says the Ombudsman, left without a significant proportion of the support 
which had been agreed to in his education, health and care plan. That, according to the boy's mother, had left the boy distressed and with low self-esteem and feeling socially isolated. And in publishing the report, Ombudsman Michael King has stressed the importance of emotional and social support. For many children and young people with autism spectrum conditions, emotional and social help can be just as important to their well-being as the academic assistance they should receive, said Mr King. In this case, the boy's mother has told us this loss of support has left her son distressed with low self-esteem and feeling socially isolated. He struggles to access learning in the classroom as he approaches a key point in his education. I am pleased the council has accepted the thoughts I have found during my investigation and hope the lengthy recommendations it will comply with should help this boy and others like him in the county. Hertfordshire County Council has told the local democracy reporting service that it takes the findings of the Ombudsman very seriously that is apologised to the family and reviewed working practices as a direct result of the Ombudsman's investigation. Data suggests 2021-22 year-end underspend. Latest data suggests Hertfordshire County Council is expecting to end the 2021-22 financial year with a £714,000 underspend. Last year, the County Council which provides services such as social services, waste disposal, highways, public health and the fire service, set a revenue budget of £894 million. But now data, based on the nine months between April and December 2021, is forecasting an underspend of £714,000. According to a report presented to a meeting of the County Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet panel on February 11th, COVID-19-related costs are calculated to be £26.9 million. But, says the report, those additional costs are expected to be met from the COVID-19 emergency funding. And further pressures relating to the pandemic, says the report, will be managed from retained COVID-19 funding and additional funding to be allocated as part of the ongoing budget process for 2022-23. At the meeting, the Council's Director of Finance, Stephen Pillsworth, highlighted that within the overall pro projected underspend, there were some areas of overspend, pointing in particular to transport services for looked-after children and children with SEND. And Labour Councillor Sharon Taylor suggested the need for a more detailed report in the next financial year to see if steps being taken in these areas were providing resilience. Meanwhile, councillors were also told that capital expenditure, which had been forecast to be £319.79 million in 2021-22, is now forecast to be £271 million by the end of the financial year. And at the meeting, councillors agreed to recommend that the council's cabinet that the underspend of £44.43 million will be reprogrammed. The Queen this year celebrates seven decades on the throne and we want your help to make our right royal coverage extra special. Her Majesty becomes the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee. Events and initiatives will take place throughout 2022, culminating in four-day UK bank holiday weekend from June the 2nd to the 5th. During her 70-year reign, the Queen has visited every corner of the nation millions of loyal subjects there to greet her. She has hosted garden parties at Buckingham Palace, honoured hundreds of you from our communities who have made a difference to the lives of those around you. From walkabouts to investitures, civil servants to cooks, royal outfitters to radio DJs, artists to head teachers, launching ships to opening venues, the Queen has performed thousands of royal duties and met people from all walks of life. Many of you, our JPI media-wide audience, have been privileged to share a few precious moments with Her Majesty, and we'd like you to share those exciting experiences with us. Maybe you were the flower girl who handed the Queen a bouquet as she arrived, or you played host when she visited your town or city. It could be you caught her attention during a walkabout, 
attended a VIP garden party, or was awarded an honour. Or it could have been a chance encounter. Tell us what the occasion was and the build-up to those special seconds when we commoners came face to face with the Queen. What did she say? What did you say? How special remain your memories? Your personal recollections are the focus of our coverage of her happy and glorious 70 years reigning over us. Share your stories and photos by emailing chris.page at jpimedia.co.uk. New buggy fitness sessions are coming to Hemel Hempstead in a bid to get parents and carers moving without the worry of childcare. Hemel Hempstead Leisure Centre and Jarman Park Athletics Track will be hosting a mix of indoor and outdoor sessions throughout the year. The sessions run on Tuesdays from 10am until 11am and welcome mums, dads, grandparents and carers plus their little ones. And you can even bring your own toys and mats for your babies and children to help keep them entertained while the class takes place. There's also a social element as everyone active which man manages the leisure facilities in partnership with Decorum Borough Council will be offering a free hot drink with every booking so you can get together for a catch-up in the cafe afterwards. Kirsty Jones, Area Active Communities Manager at Everyone Active said, we want to create a safe, friendly and non-judgmental space for parents and carers to work on their health and well-being, something which can be easily overlooked when looking after little ones. Our fitness instructor Zoe heads up the classes as a mum of two herself and she really understands the need for me time and the challenges on trying to fit that in with a little one. She has introduced a range of different exercises to the class including a mixture of cardio, strength and conditioning, circuits, boxing and fitness and all abilities are welcome. Our sessions are not only great for physical and mental health, but also give members of the local community a chance to socialise, make new friends and feel good about getting active. Classes currently take place at Hemel Hempstead Leisure Centre Sports Hall and will move outside to Jarman's Park Athletics Track in the warmer months. Classes are £5 for everyone active or active communities members and £6 for non-members. Children under five are welcome. For more information about the classes, email decorum sports development at everyoneactive.com. Volunteering news important role of trustees. All charities need volunteer trustees to ensure decisions are made in the charity's best interests. Unlike corporations, this isn't always about the financial bottom line, although that is part of it. Usually, the Volunteer Trustee Committee looks at the broader strokes and seasonal annual life of a thriving charity. While the daily operations are looked after by the service delivery volunteers and employees of the charity, the trustees help make the decisions that become the actions of the front line. Trustees can come from all walks of life and all charities welcome a broad spectrum of volunteers. Trustees ensure that this strategy is clear and its work and goals fit this vision and safeguard this purpose and that all decisions put the needs of the service users, clients first. They safeguard the charity's assets, both physical assets like property and intangible ones such as the reputation. They make sure these are used well and that the charities run with sustainability at its core. Most volunteer trustee boards meet every other month depending upon the speed or growth of the charity. Many boards have subcommittees to oversee certain aspects of the charity, such as marketing. Colin Gage, Chair of Trustees for Community Action Decorum, said, All trustees are, of course, volunteers. Being a trustee can at times be a little time-consuming, especially in difficult years, as we have all recently seen firsthand. The rewards, however, of seeing the charity you mentor grow and flourish are extremely gratifying and far outweigh any personal time and energy put in. 
the majority of organisations are looking for replacement trustees throughout the year and contacting your local volunteer centre is the best way of finding out who. This way you can find an organisation whose goals and ideals most closely match your own. So get in touch with us at the Support for Decorum Volunteer Hub in the Roundhouse Marlows and take the first step towards becoming a trustee. You may also be interested in a Volunteering Hearts virtual trustee speed matching event being held on February 24th from 5pm to 7pm. Visit localvolunteering at communityactiondecorum.org.uk or call us on 01442 247 209. And another volunteer item. Rennie Grove is inviting people to take on two new Ultra Challenge events to help support the work it does across West Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire. The charity provides specialist care and support for adults and children with a life-limiting illness. As part of the new Ultra Challenges, you can choose to walk, jog or run around some of the UK's most famous landscapes and landmarks with a choice of distances and help raise funds for Rennie Grove Hospice Care. The Jurassic Coast Challenge on May 14th to May 15th offers 25, 50 or 100 kilometre route options along the stunning Dorset coastline, designated a World Heritage Site, from Corfe Castle taking in Lulworth Cove, Dirtledore and Chesil Beach before finishing in Bridport. Or on May 28th to May 29th, the London to Brighton Challenge provides spectacular views from the North and South Downs with the same three distance options. The route starts by the Thames in Richmond, passes through the North Downs and wonderful Surrey and Sussex countryside, then heads up and over the South Downs and onward to the Brighton coastline. Organised by specialists in ultra-challenge events, there will be free food and drink and regular dress drops, as well as marshals, masseurs and medics offering support as needed. Also included in the entry fee is a glass of fizz as you cross the finish line, and an event t-shirt and medal. Dave Hilling has signed up for the Jurassic Coast Challenge with his wife, Joan, his sister Sue and his brother-in-law, Andy. Walking the last 25 kilometres of the route as the Rennie Grove Ultras, they'll be raising funds in memory of Dave and Sue's dad, Arthur, who was cared for by the charity's hospice at Home Nurses in 2016. Dave's training programme will be more intense than his teammates, as he's also preparing to run the London Marathon for Rennie Grove in October. He said, We all ate too much and exercised too little during the lockdowns. Having this hilly 25km challenge to focus our efforts on is good for all of us. The routes for both challenges are suitable for all experience levels and ages. For more information or to sign up for the challenges, visit the Rennie Grove website. Motorcycle riders invited to sign up to Bike Safe Workshops. Bikers in Decorum are being invited to take part in Bike Safe Workshops run by police to help keep them safe on the roads. The two-day workshops encourage riders to invest in more training after they have passed their test. They have been set up as part of Bike Safe, a national police-led motorcycle initiative aimed at reducing the number of accidents. Sergeant Russell Jones of the Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire Road Policing Unit said, Every day in the UK there are 60 serious motorcycle-related road traffic accidents. On average, 16 of these involve life-changing injuries with at least one daily fatality. Motorcyclists are among the most vulnerable road users, which is why workshops like these are so important. The Bike Safe workshops aim to help riders recognise the benefits of investing in ongoing post-test training. I highly recommend the workshops to riders of all ages. They are a great way to refresh their skills and raise awareness of the dangers and how to avoid them, while maintaining the enjoyable element of riding on the open road. Topics the workshops cover 
include attitudes to risk, the causes of collisions, cornering, road positioning, overtaking, braking, hazards and the use of gears. The courses comprise a theory session with an experienced police motorcyclist on the first day and then a ride observed by an advanced motorcyclist on the second day. Workshops are being held for Hertfordshire on Saturday, March the 12th, theory, and either Saturday, March the 19th or Sunday, March the 20th, observed ride. Sunday, March the 13th, theory, and either Saturday, March the 26th or Sunday, March the 27th, observed ride. Sunday, April the 24th, theory, and Saturday, April the 20th, or Sunday, May the 1st, observed ride. You can find out more about the workshops or book a place online at bikesafe.co.uk forward slash Hertfordshire. Public notices awareness. Owl hearts police warning. Scam claiming COVID contact. Police are warning residents about reports of scam text messages claiming individuals have been in contact with someone who has the Omicron COVID variant. Several people have reported the scam in hearts, with several clicking a link in the text to apply for a test kit and have been duped into giving personal information with some divulging bank details as they are asked to pay for postage and packaging. NHS test and trace contact tracers will never ask you to make any form of payment or purchase a product of any kind, ask for any details about your bank account. If you believe you have been a victim of fraud, please report to 0300 123 2040 or online at www.actionfraud.police.uk. Detective Inspector Pete Hankins from the Serious Fraud and Cyber Unit said, fraudsters are very quick to adapt their tactics to take advantage of circumstances like the pandemic. If you receive any unsolicited messages or calls, you should always be sceptical. Avoid clicking links in text and email messages. Check out the website directly via a search engine to make sure you are visiting a genuine site. Do not open attachments or click on links in emails or texts from senders you don't know. Never give out personal information, financial details or passwords in response to an email, text or phone call without verifying that the person is who they claim to be. Block any numbers that arouse suspicion. Set up spam filters on all of your accounts. Always go to a website directly by typing out the address yourself when logging into an account. Keep an eye out for numerous spelling mistakes in messages. These are normally linked to phishing emails and texts. Forward suspicious text to Action Fraud's text number 7726 for free. Call 119 to check with a genuine NHS professional if you have any doubts. Let your bank know what's happened immediately. If you need to reply regarding this message, tap on this email address, wlo at hearts.pnn.police.uk. Warning of siren test. BP Hemel Hempstead Terminal, situated at Bunsfield Oil Depot, will be testing its public warning siren at 2.30pm on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, 2022. The siren will produce a two-tone alarm and then a single-tone alarm. The test will last approximately two minutes. For further information, please contact BP Oil UK Limited, Hemel Hempstead Terminal, Green Lane, Hemel Hempstead, HP 27JA or phone 257391. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Pritchard, Naistobo, Amy, of Warner's End, Hemel Hempstead, passed away peacefully on the 29th of January 2022, aged 84 years. Wolf Marjorie Mary, Nay Palmer, 
formerly of Potton End and Berkhamsted, died peacefully on the 11th of February, aged 87, at St Nicholas Hospice, Bury St Edmunds, Suffolk. Bedford, Sylvia, sadly passed away on the 2nd of February, aged 91. Lamb, Roy Allen, passed away on the 25th of January, 2022, peacefully at home after a long battle with Louis body dementia, aged 82 years. Reynolds, Jeff, passed away peacefully, peacefully in Wickham Hospital on the 1st of February, 2022, aged 85 years. May they all rest in peace. Chinese New Year Lion Show Dance. Students from Berkhamsted were in for a surprise when they received a visit from a bright pink lion. Chung Ching Lion and Dragon Dance Association toured the Berkhamsted Schools group to bring the colourful performance to the delighted pupils and members of the community. The show on February the 10th was orchestrated by Mandarin teacher Claire Tan and featured an energetic performance accompanied by drums and cymbals. According to legend, thousands of years ago, a monster named Nian, Ye, would attack villagers at the beginning of each new year. But the villagers discovered the monster was afraid of loud noises, the colour red and bright lights, so used those things to chase the beasts away. Beginning at Castle Quad, Berkhamsted Boys, students watched the performance celebrating the Year of the Tiger. As the celebrations progressed up towards Berkhamsted Prep, the younger pupils were gathered in front of Churchill Hall, anticipating the lion's arrival and lined up to get the best view possible. Passers-by and local residents were also able to enjoy the lively demonstration. The parade then entered King's Quad at Berkhamsted Girls to complete the performance, much to the admiration of pupils, staff and rapturous applause. A spokesman for the schools explained the dance presentation was not only meant to be a surprise for all pupils, but also to show how much we value our Chinese students and firmly embrace their culture as part of school life. We would like to thank Claire Tan for organising such a fascinating event for everybody to enjoy and thanks to Chung Ching Line and Dragon Dance Association for the wonderful performance, a truly memorable way to bring in half-term. Revamp your wardrobe at Sustainable Clothes Swaps in Hemel Hempstead. It's like shopping, but free. Budget-conscious fashionistas are being given the chance to revamp their wardrobe at free Sustainable Clothes Swaps in Hemel Hempstead. Decorum Borough Council is hosting the swaps on March 25th and 26th, giving people the chance to exchange their unwanted items for something different. All you need to do is bring along your good quality items that you no longer wear and swap them for something new to you. And it's good for the environment as well as your pocket, as the fashion industry is responsible for 10% of global carbon emissions. This means the clothes that we buy are contributing to climate change more than air and sea travel combined. Textile production is also the world's second largest industrial polluter after oil. A shocking £140 million worth of clothes go in the bin every year in the UK, around 350,000 tonnes. And on average, almost a third of the clothes in most people's wardrobes haven't been worn for more than a year. The clothes swaps will take place at the Forum Marlowe's on Friday, March 25th, drop-off 11.30am to 12.30am, swap from 1pm to 2pm. Friday, March 25th, drop-off from 5.30pm to 6.30pm, swap from 7pm to 8pm, and Saturday, March 26th, drop off from 10am to 11am, swap from 12pm to 2pm. Continuing, how swapping works. A maximum of 10 items per person in adult sizes will be accepted. Items accepted are good quality clothes, shoes and bags. 
Items not accepted are bad quality items, such as dirty, ripped, torn, stained, broken zips, etc. Jewelry, underwear, nightwear, swimwear, or baby and children's clothes. Bring your own reusable bags to take items home. Carrier bags will not be provided. Any items remaining by the end of the day will be donated to a charity shop. This event is for swapping good quality clothing only. Items that are not good quality can either be repaired, recycled, or some retailers have a take-back scheme. So remember, second-hand doesn't mean second-best. Come along to one of the clothes swaps and enjoy swapping, not shopping. News in numbers. Complaints. More than 700 complaints were made to Hertfordshire County Council last year, that's 2020-2021, and 23 new investigations started by the local government ombudsman. 226. On February the 11th, councillors heard that last year there were 749 complaints made to the council, which is 226 fewer than in the previous 12 months. 415. The report highlighted 415 compliments for children's services, 270 for adult care services, 35 for community protection, 585 for environment and infrastructure, 39 for libraries and heritage service, 11 for public health and 261 for resources. Libraries and heritage services was the only area of the council to receive more complaints than compliments. A breakdown of the complaints and compliments allocated between council services was also reported to councillors. It showed 277 complaints related to children's services, 207 to adult care services, 17 for community protection, 160 for environment and infrastructure, 59 for libraries and heritage services, 3 for public health, and 26 for resources. According to the report, although just 29 complaints were upheld and 31 partially upheld, the report outlines some changes that have been made as a result. In relation to adult care services, 10 complaints were made to the local government and social care ombudsman, of which 8 were upheld. There were 1,616 compliments which is 82% more than the previous year. The data was reported to a meeting of the County Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet Panel. Pension Survey. Where will you get pension advice? 48% of retirees are worried about running out of money in old age. 78% have not sought any professional advice on their retirement plans. Most likely to seek advice, East Midlands 28%, North West 24%, South East 23%. Least likely to seek advice, Wales 16%, North East 17%. Why we don't get professional help, 31% cost of advice, 19% believe that only those with substantial assets can benefit. If you want pension support, Try the government website PensionWise, moneyhelper.org.uk or call 0800 011 3797. And now to the sports news from around our area. We have Winter Olympics, Athletics, Basketball, Rugby and Football. Winter Olympics. The Snow Centre in Hemel Hempstead is already seeing the positivity flow due to the Winter Olympics and head of Hemel Snowport Sports, Pete Gillespie, is delighted to see the power of coaching making all the difference in igniting new passions for winter disciplines, writes Charlie Benny. According to Gillespie, there has already been an uptake in interest at the Snow Centre. Ultimately, it is passionate people that really make the best of the facilities and give an opportunity for increased participation, though his journey to showcase his love of coaching wasn't always straightforward. When I was at school and I told my careers officer that I was going to be a ski instructor, I was scoffed at and was told to get a grip, he said. 
But I followed my passion to become a coach, starting on the dry ski slope here in Hamel. I have a real interest in people and human behaviour, and skiing was a vehicle to coaching to help develop people and improve their lives. It's when you become a coach that you really understand the sport. As it becomes more and more advanced and the athlete has a higher awareness of their own performance level, that feedback dynamic changes and the process becomes a lot more collaborative. Nowhere has that been truer than out on the slopes in Beijing, with Team GB making fans back home proud with spirited performances full of personality, but on occasion just on the wrong side of fine margins. And according to Pete, an experienced coach of over 30 years, this ruthless environment is no surprise. The Olympics is a strange one. It's very much a one-off and the favourites don't always win, he said. You can have wild cards in there and the highs and lows are huge. Coaches are essential in building confidence, reflecting on performances and helping to move the, to the next goal. Coaches are inspirational in that way they help people to maintain belief. Events like the Winter Olympics really fire up and inspire people. Every four years we see a real interest rise and seeing a whole variety of different countries succeed and showcase their best at the highest level helps to boost participation. Trying a sport, even at a recreational level, can really help to open your mind and help let you go. It's so valuable to have this in Hemel, as it can make a real difference to the people with the right teaching. Coaching is about helping people through that cognitive process of analysing what you're doing as you're learning it, and not just telling people what to do, but educating them as to how to think about their own development. If you're inspired to get into coaching, visit www.ukcoaching.org for support and resources to start your coaching journey. Athletics. It proved to be a chaotic weekend for members of Gade Valley Harriers. Things started with park runs on Saturday, but unsafe conditions caused by Storm Eunice on Friday meant local events at Rickmansworth and Black Park were cancelled. Eight members headed to Hooton Hall Park run with Helen Terry, the first Harrier lady to finish the course, coming in 15th overall female, while Helen Heathcott was the only GVH runner not making a debut at the venue. For the men, Anthony Beamish and Vince Ellaby were in action with the former enjoying his new surroundings as he finished first overall in 19 minutes 16 seconds. Gaybridge Park Run was deemed safe enough despite the muddy conditions and Anthony James was happy to take on the challenge, finishing first overall in 20 minutes 9. Rachel Haffenden was the only GVH lady running at Gaybridge and she finished ninth overall female in 28 minutes 2. On Sunday, Dave Goodman took part in his 58th competitive marathon, surprisingly his first this year, in Spain. He completed the event in Seville in a time of 3 hours 39 minutes 31. The main running event of the weekend was the final round of the Chiltern Cross Country League at Shuttleworth College near Biggleswade in Bedfordshire, but it proved to be a chaotic event. Things started to go wrong on Friday when Storm Eunice descended on the UK. It was reported that despite the loss of access to two car parks, sufficient parking remained to allow the event to go ahead. There was official confirmation the event would go ahead on Friday night, but the problems began with people being stuck in queues to get parked, with many not making it in time to the start of the men's race, even though the start time was pushed back by half an hour. The men's race did get underway at 2pm, but as they raced round the 9km course, there was an announcement that the ladies and under-20s races were cancelled. Continuing that story, Children League's later announcement read, It appears we were told by Shuttleworth, while the senior men were running, that we had one minute to clear the venue or the police would be called. The police did arrive in two cars, but we have no idea what Shuttleworth said to them. After the dust had settled, the men's race was completed with a reduced field 
and the women's race did not take place. A group of athletes, including GVH's Vicky Crawley-Wise, Teresa Reason and Lisa Newing, did a lap of defiance before heading home. It was easy to forget that a race did actually take place. James Timmis was competing in his first cross-country fixture for GVH and made an immediate impact, finishing seventh overall and first home for the club. Matt Ashby, Matt Watt and Michael Linden, who had all performed consistently throughout the season, all finished in the top 15. Gareth Tucker, Andy Wells, Steve Newing and James Birney, who finished in 52nd place, completed the eight scoring runners for Gade Valley. John O'Marvel was next finisher for the club, one place and one second ahead of Stu Gallagher, who continues to recuperate after his injury hit end to 2021. Rugby Union. Tring travelled south to Havant for their third away game in a row, writes Ted Stanford. After an unplanned week off due to CS Stags failing to field a side the previous Saturday, Tring were looking to give their royal travelling support the strong performance they had been searching for since Christmas. Injuries forced changes to the side, Rory Hardman returning on the wing, Harry McCartney starting at flanker and Nick Brown restored to the front row. Prior to the game, Captain Ollie O'Gorman led a presentation to scrum half Richard Beanie on the day of his 150th cap, a fine accomplishment for one of Tring's best. There was a minute of applause held in memory of Jack Jeffrey, who tragically died while playing for Evesham RFC last weekend, with Tring joining clubs around the country in retiring the number 11 shirt for this match. Tring dominated the early stages of the game with the winds of Storm Eunice behind them. With Havant's poor discipline and Tring's forward packing control, the, the visitors worked their way up the field, eventually capitalising through centre Oliver Beanie after a well-worked backs move. It wouldn't take long before Tring scored again, an outstanding solo effort from Hardman after a break and offload from Archie James. Haven't hit back on the half-hour mark, but Ben Hogan extended Tring's lead with a penalty goal. The host scored just before half-time, but Tring led a 15-12 lead. With the elements now against them, Tring held firm in the early stages of the second half and created a number of good chances, but to no avail. Eventually, Haven't would score, but this was met yet again by a Hogan penalty kick. With 15 minutes left, Haven't scored again to take the lead. Tring looked dangerous in, a long, in long spells of the game, but could not convert their pressure. Haven't closed the game out on, late on, scoring three more tries before the final whistle to wrap up a 43-18 scoreline. Football. Burko hoped to get going again after a full washout. All five games involving Burkhampton teams were called off due to the stormy weather over the last week. The two first-team Southern League Division I central trips to Welling Garden City last Tuesday and Kempston Rovers at the weekend were victims of waterlogged pitches. Just three games went ahead in Division I of the West Hearts League, but there were plenty of goals. Glenn Cook hit five, Glenn O'Malley struck four, and Steve Such, Alex Halifax and Kasun Singh added the others as Sun Sports Rovers won 12-1 at St Albans' death. Croxley Green reserves thrashed Oxy A 9-0, with Andrew Avis and Robbie Martin both hitting hat-tricks, Fazan Ahmed adding a brace and George Rodriguez also on target. Meanwhile, the Grapes, Hemel, won 3-2 at Chesham United Rangers with Martin McMorrow 2 and Frankie Doris outscoring Lewis Fletcher and Archie Batts. And finally in sport, basketball news. Hemel Storm slipped to an 82-76 defeat when they travelled to take on Worthing Thunder. 
It proved to be an entertaining affair between the two teams, with a history of rivalry between them. After falling behind in the first half, Vanarama-sponsored Storm had an impressive third quarter, which turned the scores in their favour at 62-60. But Thunder won the final quarters, 22-14, to take the overall success and leaving their supporters happy, while the travelling Storm fans were left with a dull and long journey back to Hemel Hempstead. For Storm, Taylor Johnson once again stole the show with 34 points, 9 assists and 4 rebounds. Greg Polion had 23 points and 14 rebounds. And Sam Newman scored 11 points and 4 assists, his third point being the 1,000th of his career. The loss leaves Storm with a 12-6 record, which needs to be improved if they want to finish in a top four position in the table. There is much improvement needed for Storm now, as they have a double header at home, and these games will go a long way to designing the course of their season. They take on Nottingham Hoods on Saturday, 26 February, 7pm tip-off, and Bradford Dragons on Sunday, 27th February, 5pm tip. Tickets are available online at stormbasketball.net. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are sunrise 0656, sunset 1733. If you would like to give us any feedback or you have a news story or know an event taking place soon that you think would be suitable for our listeners, please get in touch by email to secretary at dtnhemel.org.uk. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhamel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the immunity section that gives details of various group and contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up carefully, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Jake, your technician for this week. <laughs>